Welcome to Integrative Conversations, hosted by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy expands knowledge to professionals in the mental health community and beyond using a conscious, experiential, and evidence-based format. Our mission is to deliver comprehensive health and wellness to all by empowering personal and professional growth and confidence. To learn more, visit us at www.academyimh.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, this is Laurel Sims-Stewart, content developer with the Academy of Integrative Mental Health and your host for today's conversation. I recently had the chance to sit down with Ashley Oswald, a dietitian and gut health expert on the connection between caring for our gut and caring for our mental health. As an integrative mental health clinician, I've been encouraged to see a lot more research pointing to the gut-brain connection since I started my career, but so much of this is information I never would have gotten in graduate school, and I love getting to talk to Ashley and really dig into the details of it all. But just a reminder before we get going, we have been so busy here at the Academy getting some really exciting stuff ready to bring to you. Not only are we working to improve our signature three core integrative course to include even more resources, tools, and the most current research, we are also about to launch our Decolonizing and Unsettling Mental Health webinar series very soon. You will not want to miss it, I promise. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at Academy IMH and Facebook at Academy of Integrative Mental Health to stay updated as we prepare for both of these to launch this summer 2021. So now let's jump right on in to my conversation with Ashley. Our guest today is Ashley Oswald. Ashley founded Oswald Digestive Clinic in 2016 after being frustrated to see people struggling with their gut health while knowing that there are ways to help them improve and often resolve their bothersome symptoms. After struggling with her own gut health issues, Ashley is passionate about helping others to improve and eliminate these issues in their own lives too and to regain freedom. She has completed seven years of schooling in nutrition science, including a year at Harvard's Brigham and Women's Hospital, and has worked in a variety of settings in the healthcare system, so has a unique big picture view of where there are gaps. With Oswald Digestive Clinic, she is working to fill healthcare gaps, helping their clients to finally go from gut struggles to gut freedom so they can get back to living life on their own terms. And I am so excited to get to chat with her today because I can't wait to learn from her. Um, I I really enjoyed our conversations prior to this recording. And so there are so many things that I want to know more and I had to stop myself from asking them before the recording so we could get it in this episode. So let's get right to it to learn more about our gut and its connection to our mental health. Welcome, Ashley. I'm so excited to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Laurel. I agree. I think we could talk for a whole day or two. So this will be really fun. And I think we can bring a lot of value to your listeners. Cool. Yeah. So maybe just to get us started, can you tell us and our listeners, I know we talked together a little bit about what brought you to where you are on your path today, but can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, of course. So uh, I uh, I guess it goes back to when I was deciding what to go to college for, and I was deciding between business and nutrition, just kind of followed my intuition, followed my gut, you know, pun intended, and pursued nutrition. And that fast forward led me out to Boston where I was doing my internship, as you mentioned. And the big research paper I did at the end of my internship was actually on major depression and fish oil omega-3s and just doing a full comb of the literature to see if there is evidence showing that omega-3 supplementation could help with severe depression. And I think uh, most people on our team at Brigham Women's Hospital were surprised to hear that there is pretty good evidence of a high EPA supplement of fish oil being able to help with major depression. And at the same time, I was struggling with my own uh, depression. When I was living out in Boston, it was not only situational, but 
Later came to find out I was having low thyroid and likely a B12 deficiency at that time and low iron, all also contributing. So fast forward, I worked at the hospital for many years. I worked outpatient doing vein feeding with severe gut issues. I ended up at a functional medicine clinic in California. I worked further to kind of heal myself using functional nutrition and all that experience and knowledge that I gained both from my personal life and the professional world just led me to want to start a digestive clinic because I saw that there are so many people struggling with gut health issues. It's like 61% of people living in the United States had a bothersome gut issue the week prior, and they're just falling through the gaps in the medical system, mostly because doctors on average have less than 20 hours of schooling and nutrition science. And so I just think a lot of physicians don't realize how impactful nutrition can be. And then we kind of get into this whole gut brain connection, which we'll be talking more about today too. So that's a little bit of my story. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. That is so, such like a powerful example, just like knowing, I think we talk a lot about that in, in my work and mental health of knowing our own experience and how that can carry us on a path to healing others and helping others to heal. And I think that's just like such a powerful example that you've given. That's awesome. And just like hearing all the different pieces along the way and how it came together too. Totally. It's kind of giving purpose to the challenges that we go through in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what would you say just for people who are listening to this podcast and are totally new to this whole idea of gut health, um, maybe a little bit about the gut brain connection too. what are the 101 concepts that you think are most important for people to know starting out? Right. I think um, the main one that's really coming to light in the media now is that we have this gut brain connection. There's this big vagus nerve that connects our gut to our brain. And there's actually more nerves in our gut than in our spinal system. And Mm. we estimate that the gut sends signals to the brain nine times as often as the brain down to the gut. Um, 95% of that feel-good hormone serotonin is produced in the gut. Our bacteria in our gut produce that serotonin, the dopamine, both kind of these really important, you know, hormones that our body needs for like feeling good, especially mental health. Um, We have more gut bacteria than human cells. And so uh, there's a lot going on in our gut. And we could talk for days about that. 70% of the immune systems in the gut. And so I think it's, you know, Hippocrates, the founder of modern medicine, once said it all starts in the gut. And that's what we see at our clinic. When we can improve gut health, all of a sudden, some of these other autoimmune issues start to improve, like arthritis can improve, people's skin will start to improve. Part of my story is I had severe acne for 10 years and started on about antibiotics and other medications when I was 10 years old. And no, about 11 years old, I was in sixth grade. And so that's so young. And now looking back, knowing what I know, it's like, wow, I think there's just something going on in my gut at that time that was causing these skin issues, our gut surface is even bigger than our skin surface. And so uh, there's a whole lot that we've like learned in the past 10, 20 years about the gut, but also a whole lot that we don't know still. Um, We do know enough to help people feel better. And that's what's really cool about it. Yeah, that's amazing. I do talk with some of my clients about that vagus nerve connection, but I had no idea that much serotonin was produced in the gut even like that is that fact alone is just kind of like blowing my mind a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause we, we think about, especially in mental health, like treating the the brain, like that's where all the work need quote unquote needs to be done. Right. But if we're just ignoring this huge part of our whole system, I mean, that's like, if our gut isn't taken care of and it can't produce the serotonin, then we're missing out like, and the dopamine is, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's just blowing my mind right now. That's so awesome. Yes. I know. I'm getting goosebumps. I feel like our clinic with therapists, like what you're doing at your clinic, we can make some great partners if we can just come at some of these issues from two different angles. Cause the reality is like depression is increasing and mental health issues are increasing in our country. So we really have to be more innovative at thinking, 
you know, what are some other root causes that we might be missing? Because, you know, what we're doing, yeah, maybe it's helping, but it's not, you know, putting a dent in the situation quite yet. And it's, of course, very multifactorial, but yeah, gut mm. health is one category that I think is being missed a lot. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I think part of our goal at the Academy, especially, and, um, you know, at our practice here in Louisville, where I work is to be more collaborative, um, because that, you know, we can't do it all, but I'm curious, like, how has the reception been where you are over time, especially with the mental health piece? Are, are people receptive to that once they learn some of the information that we're talking about together today? Or is it still kind of hard to get in there sometimes? Because I think that we can build these walls and these silos of like knowing what we know and just doing things the way we've always done it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's definitely the challenge. I can feel it changing, but I think there's still a perception that, I mean, I know there is that nutrition can maybe help a little, but isn't that powerful. Uh, however, you know, we'll share some stories that have come out of our clinic a little bit later, and it can be so incredibly powerful if we're using it in the right way. Or maybe people have tried nutrition and it hasn't helped and they give up, but it's like, you know, anything, sometimes that might not have been the right fit for them. And sometimes you have to pursue maybe trying our clinic instead of like just the conventional system or whatnot, you know? So what, what would you say are some of the most common misconceptions then about, um, like all of them, like, like integrating nutrition into health and making sure that our gut is healthy. And when clients or patients do come to you, um, what are some of the things you encounter most often that you kind of have to not clear up, but really want to educate about, Hey, this is the better way to do this, or this is the way that we could better understand this connection. Yeah, from a nutrition and gut health perspective, I think of a couple of things. The first one is a lot of times people think they just need to be more strict. It's their kind of self-control or whatnot issues. And they just have to be better about like being keto or being paleo or being, you know, whatever it is, all these kind of whiplash bad diets. And they don't realize there's a lot more that can be contributing um, than that. So we do have a lot of people who come into our clinic and they're eating really well, actually, like really whole, real nutritious foods. But there's so many other factors, like maybe they have a zinc deficiency, maybe they're on a proton pump inhibitor, decreasing their stomach acid, putting them at risk for vitamin B12 deficiency. We know a B12 deficiency can cause depression in some people. So by replacing that, they could get total symptom relief it's pretty wild and proton pump inhibitors are being prescribed like more and more and people are kept on them long term because they have acid reflux and they're not referred to a dietitian who can help them with the root cause of the acid reflux versus using that medication as a band-aid that can cause some deficiencies down the road. So um, yeah, there's a lot of just things that people aren't being told, I think, in the conventional kind of uh, pathway of the medical system, um, but that we know as kind of specialized functional nutrition dietitians. And then the other thing that we see is that people just think there's nothing more that can be done. Um, You know, they kind of lose some hope because they've tried things and it hasn't helped. And so we like to share stories as much as we can. We track symptoms at our clinic and show like, before and after symptom relief to let people realize, you know, what's actually possible using a functional nutrition approach. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so glad you started talking about some of those things. Cause like my, my wheels are spinning now. I'm like, Oh, what's a proton pump. I mean, and the reason that I am really intrigued about all of this is because these are things as like a, a mental health practitioner, I would never have been trained to ask about, like, I would never have been trained to ask if my client is on a pro, can you tell me that name one more time? Proton pump inhibitor. People will just call it a PPI. Okay. A PPI. I would never think necessarily based on my traditional schooling to ask about that kind of thing, but 
it sounds like that's actually a really key puzzle piece for a lot more and more people. And it's leading to, it's like this domino effect. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, what else am I, what else should I be asking about? You know, (laughs) like I'm, I'm so curious now, of course I, you know, want to stay in my scope of practice and refer out and collaborate, but also I'm really curious what other things should I be asking about when I'm, talking to a client in in my own work or like if our listeners are in their own mental health practice, like what should they be thinking about maybe that we weren't told we, we should think about. Right. And I think this conversation goes to the power and the importance of collaboration, right? Cause it's like, we need to know enough about mental health components and therapy, different therapy options for our clients. So we know when to refer out to help with maybe root causes of chronic stress and such. And so certainly the medication side effects and uh, there's other medications like birth control that can deplete magnesium and lots of a very well-known mineral that it's estimated 70% of people have low levels of, and it can be contributing to anxiety. So we see magnesium help people with anxiety, with stress. Stress can use that more magnesium in the body. Uh, And we actually had a client who, since she was a kid, so for 20 years, had severe migraines. Couldn't find the solution to it. He was missing work. Of course, that causes a lot of stress and anxiety. And we simply put him on a a good quality magnesium supplement. In a couple weeks, his migraines went away. Wow. It was unbelievable, wow. honestly. <laughs> he was like shocked as well. And the coolest thing is his employer cared so much about why he was missing work that she paid for the appointments for him. Oh my goodness. That's what a beautiful story. Beautiful. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. That like gives me his life and this too, right? Cause now he's not missing work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's so, I mean, thinking about how many clients I have encountered in my own work who struggle with things like migraines and chronic pain. I mean, that contribute to mental health. Like they are directly connected to mental health symptoms, you know, and if such a simple fix as magnesium, that's not even a medication, you know, it's just something that our body needs naturally. Mm. And it's root cause. It's like we're fixing that root cause of the low magnesium. And our whole goal is to, you know, replace those levels and hopefully we can maintain those just using food. So people don't have to be on a lot of supplements long-term or a lot of medications long-term. Um, some other things are there's a significant amount of people living in this country with type 2 diabetes and uh, insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, and we know that blood sugar irregularities can contribute to anxiety and depression too. So it's like doing a thorough kind of review of what and how people are eating. And sometimes we just not need to make some little tweaks that maybe they had never heard of, um, such as maybe they're not eating enough protein. So not only is that negatively impacting their blood sugars, but they're also not getting those amino acids like the tryptophan that's needed to make serotonin that then makes melatonin that helps them sleep. And we all know like, how important sleep is for mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is something that I have noticed is a factor 99% of the time is the sleep. Yeah. Right. And so again, like such a potentially important and simple piece of the puzzle that in the mental health world, we're not even trained to ask about as far as like how much protein you're eating. So just, just, just knowing that, like not doing the work to all of the work to treat that, to collaborate, but just knowing to even ask that is so powerful. I think. 100% and functional nutrition is all about science-based looking for root causes. So is it that they're not sleeping because of a stressor in your life that you guys can work on as therapist? Or is it that they have low stores of some other nutrients that are needed to help convert that tryptophan into that serotonin, into that melatonin, like the vitamins and magnesium and complex carbohydrates. Those are actually cofactors needed for that conversion process. And yeah, yeah at our clinic, we actually, um, you know, somebody is not sleeping well, we start there before we even talk about nutrition. It's so important. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's huge. And I'm 
you know, kind of jumping back, you mentioned the complex carbohydrates and I'm just kind of connecting up what you said earlier about people, you know, being sort of led toward these very restrictive, rigid diets, maybe from other sources, hoping that it will offer some relief. Um, And I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's another thing that I've encountered a lot in my own work is um, the hope, you know, that this specific like one size fits all plan will bring me relief. And it sounds like what you're saying is it might be a little bit more complex than that. And everybody has individual needs and we have to figure out what those are first. Absolutely. Like looking into the micronutrients, optimizing gut health, are they making enough stomach acid? Is their small intestine healthy? Are they absorbing properly and all those things. And then uh, the best research we have for eating was the SMILES trial in 2017 on moderately to severe depression. And they found that 31% of people experienced relief using a modified Mediterranean eating plan. It was way more effective than some of these antidepressant medications. And so that means, you know, if anybody's been to like Italy or Greece or, you know, around the Mediterranean, like Barcelona, it's a very enjoyable like way of life and eating. People don't stress about food. They don't really stress about diets. They kind of eat when they're hungry, stop when they're satisfied. They're eating with their friends and family. It's very like social. It's, um, you know, it's a wide variety of just real whole foods. And interestingly, have you heard of the work of the blue zones? No, but I want you to tell me about it. <laughs> okay. It's really, really cool. Whoever's listening, you might enjoy looking this up because um, this might help you kick out of that bad diet whiplash. Yeah. Um, but basically this, um, uh, let's, I'm blanking on the name of who did this work, but he looked at these five areas all around the world where people were living the longest, like past the hundred and healthfully, they're like still active. And one of those blue zones was in Sardinia, that island off of Italy. And Mm. interestingly, they eat really fresh, real food. They're like very social, like off the land, right? They're like on the water. It's a really clean environment. And their eating is mostly carbohydrates. They eat a lot of pastas. They eat a lot of... Mm -hmm you know, they'll do like fresh veggies and things. And so I think sometimes we get this idea that that's bad, right? You know, don't eat carbs, it's bad. That's like the latest. And it might not necessarily be true. And that's what goes into this whole big picture of what might be causing these mental health challenges for people. Like for everybody, it might be a different root cause Um, because there's also with the blue zones, they found that social connection was also so important and such a big contributor to why these people had better mental health as well. So it's like that food, real whole quality, you know, Mediterranean style. Like we mentioned the omega-3s, they're eating this fresh fish. They're getting those omega-3s, which is likely helping. Um, They're getting some protein, but not overeating meats, et cetera, et cetera. And then they also have such strong social connection. Yeah, cool. Oh, that's so cool. I'm going to have to look up more about that, the Blue Zones project. Okay. I love that that you're bringing that into the ta- to the conversation to the table today because it again is over and over again we see this picture of all we can we have to pay attention to all the factors and not just one or two right and that's what's really going to help us to feel our best yeah, like two people mm-hmm. can have depression, but the cause of their depression for those two people can be different. Maybe this person, it's just the vitamin B12 deficiency. Maybe right. this person, it's like significant trauma from their life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. And I think that's really, um, I'm so glad we're talking because that is just not, that's just not how I learned it in graduate school. I mean, I'm just like straight up, you know, and it's not sad, but like, it's kind of unfortunate because there's so much more we could be doing. You know, we go into this work to be healers and to be guides and to be helpful. And there's just like so much more we could be doing. And so the traditional mental health system kind of views like, oh, you have depression. Let's 
do some cognitive behavioral therapy and change how you're thinking about things and you'll feel better. And for some people they do, but for some people that just is not hitting it. And so it actually really, I think does a disservice to our profession to ignore, um, the body connection and all of the root causes. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's hugely important. Um, I agree. And, you know, my traditional schooling, the first four or five years of my schooling, I didn't learn a lot of this either. It was mm-hmm. all the continuing ed. I did a couple more years of a specific functional nutrition program and working in, you know, the functional medicine practice in California and then just learn more and more myself, like healing myself is really like where I learned a lot of this. And I was like, wow, like my first job at Regents Hospital in Minneapolis, I remember learning about the proton pump inhibitor concerns. And so I was like going in there and like every inpatient client or patient that I saw on proton pump inhibitors, I'll put in a note, like doctor, please reevaluate upon discharge if the person still needs this medication. Because I was so concerned about people getting discharged on these things. And then continuing it and nobody's look like goes down the road and looks and thinks like, oh, can we try to get this person tapered off this medication? And that's a challenging one to taper off of. And as a reminder to listeners, the PPI is what can contribute to magnesium deficiency, B12 deficiency, zinc deficiency, and all those things can contribute to anxiety and depression. So what should really be happening is acid reflux is actually the number one gut issue in the United States. And there are really pretty effective nutrition and lifestyle interventions we can make to help people get rid of that without needing medication. And then the tricky part is if they're on a medication already and they just stop it, there's a really high chance they get rebound acid reflux. So then they think to themselves, oh my gosh, I'm going to need to be on this for life because look at I tried stopping it and it got worse. But Mm -hmm. the trick is you have to really, really slowly taper while also doing these nutrition and lifestyle interventions. And that's kind of what we work with clients on. And we've had pretty good success helping people taper off those medications at our clinic, which is so exciting. You know, we work with our, the physicians on anything medication related, but yeah, super exciting. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love those stories because I think often also what tends to happen is we get more and more complicated. Like we add more and more things as far as like, oh, this isn't working for you. Add another medication, add another, you know, add this, add that. And maybe what we really need to be doing is like pairing it back and starting from the bottom and working our way up. (laughs) And so I love that that's how you all are approaching things. I think that's beautiful. Um, So I've heard you mention B12 deficiency, omega-3 deficiency, magnesium, and zinc. Um, Are those the main ones that we really want to focus on when we're considering how our gut is working to support our mental health? Or are there other things? Like tell us, tell me more about that specifically like gut health, depression, anxiety connection. Yeah, there, those are some uh, big ones. There are a lot of other micronutrients too. One of our clients came to us having severe anxiety to where she wouldn't leave the house. And for her, uh, we did some micronutrient testing in our white blood cells. And there's like four deficiencies and nutrients that can cause anxiety. And it was pretty amazing because once we replaced those, she like even through COVID was one of the least anxious people I knew. She was like going to the grocery store without a problem. It was incredible, incredible turnaround. And um, she also, she came to us, she was a vegetarian. I know the vegetarian vegans listening might not like to hear this. I, I know it. I was vegan, vegetarian for like seven years of my life. And unfortunately it did not work for me. Um, That's and, okay. <laughs> yes. And so this is like, you know, not one size fits all, but it's an important piece of the conversation because we do have some research showing that meat can help with mental health. And so that's another thing that we need to look at. And I know a psychologist, psych, psychologist who won't accept clients with depression unless they're willing to add red meat in. Wow. Wow. That strongly. Because if you think about it, yeah. um, yes, you can get good protein from vegan sources. Uh, but just realizing how important those amino acids are for making the neurotransmitters and then that protein for helping heal the gut and other things. And there might be components of red meat that we don't quite know about as far as 
why it's helping with mental health because nutrition is just a 100 year old science. So if we're seeing some of this stuff, you know, wow, this person added in like this client with anxiety, she just added in some really good quality organ meats a couple times a week. And that's it. She's mostly plant based still. And she's noticed a significant improvement to where she's continuing to do it. And so some of these, you know, animal sources are really good dense source of nutrients and especially that B12. So vegans, yes, they get B12 from like nutritional yeast and some other foods, but it's the number one vitamin that they're at risk for a deficiency of. So then there's another client we had who a similar story. She was vegetarian and that caused a high copper, copper toxicity in her body. And that contributed to her just falling asleep in the middle of the day. It was hard for her to keep a job because she, this was happening to her. So we had to correct that copper, which copper goes in balance with zinc. And she had a zinc deficiency likely from being vegetarian for a long time. And so by replacing that, we're able to bring the copper down, doing some other um, interventions to help with that. And now she has meat again, like a few times a week, a small amount, but she calls it her short-term antidepressant. And I like, honestly, it took probably a year of her to even want to try it. And that's completely fair, but I kept just reminding her and saying, you know, this might help. This might help if you want to consider it. And so she eventually did try it. And now it's, she uh, does beef sticks and she does notice within a couple hours, like her mood improves. That is, I'm, my mind is like, swir- <laughs> oh my gosh, Ashley, like you're rocking my world and I love it. Like this is so cool. I'm because Oh, well, also as you're talking about the copper, you know, in Louisville, that is actually here where I, where I am located in Louisville for those listening. Um, that's actually a problem that I do know that I've had clients encounter because of our tap water. Um, we have so we have like re like apparently really high levels in our tap water here. And so that has become a weirdly like standout problem, but still, nobody knows, like nobody knows about it. You know, when I bring that up to people, they've never heard of that before, but it's such an important like thing to realize <laughs> if you're drinking, like, cause you want to be drinking water, yeah. you know? Yes. It's like the lead issue in Flint, Michigan. And then we had a lead issue in Minneapolis too, because of these pipes in the homes and Yes. Right. Oh my gosh. If anybody is listening, please go buy an Aquasana water filter. <laughs> like, just, you know, be safe rather than sorry. Um, okay. That's good to know. Okay. So what is it? <laughs> it's Aquasana. They're, okay. they have decently affordable filters and they're one of the best on the market for my research. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And then, so like back to the beef sticks being an antidepressant, I'm, I'm obsessed with this idea. Like I, <laughs> I love that story. And, and I would imagine that it's hard because there are a lot of um, people who practice vegan eating or vegetarian eating because of ethical reasons. But it sounds like a lot of your clients, there are ways that you can integrate animal proteins if they're open to it in an ethical way and not in like an just like suddenly going to eating like hot dogs. (laughs) You know, it's not it's not quite like that. Yeah, yeah. they call it environmental or two big reasons. I mean, that's why I was doing it right. And there's a really great book by Michael Pollan called The Omnivore's Dilemma that can help people kind of with changing mm-hmm. their thinking. And that's what helped me too. Um, it made me more open. I started just eating meat as medicine back when I was adding it back in. So I was pretty, you know, just like thinking about eating an animal at that point in my life was pretty challenging because I'm such an animal lover. And like, for yeah. others, like you said, but you know, there's are like what people tend to find helpful is looking at farms that are raising their animals really well, trying to cause the least harm to them, giving them a really enjoyable life, sustainability in the Midwest here. Buffalo is a good sustainable um, animal source. Uh, unfortunately, you know, fish is the type one meat that people will tend to have in when they cut out the others, but that's really a poorly sustainable um source unless you're buying from a great company like Patagonia Patagonia Provisions has um great sourcing for fish but uh the fishing industry is really destroying our planet and polluting our waters um but unfortunately because I I just mentioned how like fatty fish can really help with depression so there's 
it's such a big conversation, right? There's regenerative farms that are really helping to sequester carbon from the atmosphere. So if you buy their like CSAs, community supported agriculture, or you know, just their fruits and veggies from them, they tend to have some sort of um animals because it helps with the cycle of how their farm works. They need the animals as a part of the whole ecosystem to make it a healthy regenerative system. So yeah, there's a lot we can chat about there as well, but it is definitely a barrier. Yeah. I'm curious for, you mentioned the fatty fish and I know that that is a really great source of omega-3s. Are there any others that are kind of your go-to's as good sources of that if fish is not people aren't open to fish or that's just not where we're starting maybe we're working toward that yeah there are some plant-based um versions but some people don't have the ability to convert that really well um supplementation of either the plant-based or the fish oil can be helpful for people and that tends to be a cleaner low mercury uh, risk. And so um, like chia seeds and things of that sort, but really like for the research for like helping with severe depression, it's really that high EPA fish oil supplementation that can help. And honestly, if somebody's struggling with severe depression, I would just supplement with it because at that point, it's really negatively impacting their life. And there's good research to show this could help. So I would just try to treat it like medicine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate that. Um, Are there any other standout stories that come to mind when we're having these conversations about like, you know, you mentioned the client um, who was so anxious and some really helpful changes kind of removed that barrier from her life. I mean, even during COVID, like who wasn't anxious during COVID? That's amazing. <laughs> like, I know. That's what I told her too. Like, you're incredible. Um, cause I always, you know, we tell people we're just the guides. You're doing the work. You're making the decision that you want to implement what we share with you. And that's really powerful. So I would say that most of our clients will notice decreased stress and anxiety with improving their gut health. Because if you think about it, these individuals are having like diarrhea or struggling with constipation, gas, bloat, it's really, really negatively impacting their life. And that's why, you know, I decided to specialize in gut health when we opened our clinic over five years ago. And so by just like letting them realize what's causing those symptoms and what they can do to prevent those symptoms, all of a sudden, now they can go travel with their family or go on a road trip and not have to worry about, you know, pulling over last minute because they're having random gut issues. I don't know where it came from or like going to family get togethers and knowing, uh, you know, what to eat, what to maybe avoid so that they don't end up having diarrhea and having to leave. And so I guess another um, significant gut story that comes to mind is a woman came to our clinic having lifelong gut issues, like severe gut issues. She was pregnant, having diarrhea constantly in her almost second trimester. And oh my goodness. Obviously that's so concerning for like growing a baby inside of you if you're losing all these nutrients in your stool. And so right. within a month, we got rid of that diarrhea and we got her nutrients, you know, maximized or, you know, she, because again, with diarrhea, you have a lot of deficiencies. So we were able to replace a lot of that. Her baby's like really healthy. Um, and she just told me I was talking to her this week, that this is like the best she's felt in her life. Like her family can't even believe it. They just never thought she would like feel this great. And so, uh, yeah. Can you imagine like how much that improves your mental health? I can just hear it in her voice and feel it. She's so happy. Right. And I mean, I like have goosebumps hearing that story because I think about not only is that beautiful for her, but how affirming is that for you? And the work that you do, you know, and, and really kind of driving home, oh, you know, like this is really making a difference. And yeah. so that's so cool to hear. X goes so far. It's now like her family, you know, she has more to give to her family. And it's just like this really positive ripple effect. Right. And I'm thinking too, as you're saying that, you know, that could really benefit somebody in doing some good work in therapy, because if you don't feel well, you don't have the energy to make 
to connect with your family, to, to do like internal work, to explore for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a hugely direct jumping off point oh, yeah. for even more and more growth to, you know, just that fruitful soil to really flourish in. Absolutely. And then also realizing that for energy production, we need some of these nutrients too to like support our mitochondria, which is our energy powerful energy centers of all of our cells and it needs certain nutrients to function properly. Like a lot of people probably heard of the B vitamins and stress can deplete us of B vitamins. So after this year, you know, it makes me wonder how many people are just having low micronutrient stores. I say it all the time. If there's like one thing nutrition wise that the medical, our current medical system could add in for, for preventive care, I think it's micronutrient testing and just micronutrient repletion. We kind of tend to get a lot of energy in this country, but a lot of the foods that um, we're exposed to, you know, at these convenience stores or whatnot, um, it's more nutrient poor. So I was in Bali right before COVID hit and it was actually challenging to eat nutrient poor foods in Bali because it's just so easy to eat really a lot of color, a lot of you know, good quality local foods. And here, I think it's the opposite, like takes a little bit, it takes more effort to eat nutrient dense foods. And so I think that is one root cause of nutrient deficiencies. And the other one is our soils are becoming more nutrient depleted. And then people are on medications that can cause nutrient deficiencies. You have all these things that can create this perfect storm, right? But it's not a storm that's hard to correct. We just have to get more nutrients into people, like micronutrients. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so powerful. And I'm curious, is there is there any connection? You mentioned stress depleting um, the B vitamins. Is there a connection? Can, you, can we draw a connection between someone's cortisol levels in their body, for instance, and how they might that might be affecting their micronutrients and their energy stores and their, their gut health overall? That's a great question. Uh, That's something uh, that I don't know of research where they were testing people's cortisol and then also Mm -hmm. connecting it to like their gut issues. And probably part of it is the cortisol, you know, changes throughout the day and it's not a totally accurate predictor, but we do know that elevated cortisol can contribute to mental health struggles. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we will do that testing. It's just a saliva test. You do it four times during the day and then you can see how your levels are compared to just the norm. And actually have a personal story with this because sometimes our bodies will adapt to stress and we don't necessarily realize how elevated some of those stress hormones are. Right. So I think that doing it still, um, the saliva testing can be really helpful to people to realize like, oh my gosh, I thought I was fine, but look at my cortisol, like off the chart. Maybe that's what's still contributing to my gut issues. And actually I just thought of a really cool story for that. Um, a few years ago, I had another client who was having, you know, severe gut issues. We're adjusting foods and things. Nothing was really working, honestly. So then if that's the case, we start thinking what other causes might be here. And I just, um, we started exploring, you know, chronic stress, like maybe this is it, even though you feel like it's not, you know, you're not that stressed, maybe this is like one of the main causes. And so she ended up just uh, maybe a few weeks later having to go on a family vacation for three, four days, and 95% of her gut issues went away. Wow. Oh my gosh. Just from going on vacation? Yes. Yes. And she was like, so grateful. I'm like, I feel like I didn't even do anything. She's like, no, I'm so grateful because like, you're the one that helped like me connect these dots. And so it's powerful. So then it's like, well, okay, what's like contributing to the chronic stress when you're at home then? And what would help with that? And maybe it's connecting with somebody like you and your clinic. Maybe it's, you know, X, Y, Z, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think sometimes that is the most powerful tool that we can give our clients or our offering is just like bringing patterns to awareness. So I can certainly see how that, that was like hugely impactful. Yeah. And, you know, like hearing that story and then going back to when you were talking about things like accessibility to fresh food and um, 
like how our culture, you know, makes things available. I think there's like a lot of systemic work that we can all be doing too, right? To address like how our work-life balance can can affect things so drastically that like your cortisol drops that or your gut health changes that much, like just by going on vacation or like making more fresh food and whole food and nutrient rich food available and accessible to people. Um, I mean, there's so much, there's so much rich work that we can be doing. And I think through collaborating together, that's how it's going to get done. So yeah, it's like, we're such a workaholic culture and it's kind of hard to break out of it when you're surrounded by a culture that encourages it and almost makes you feel bad for not, you know, working harder, working harder. Um, and you know, it's a balance. We don't want to like swing too far the other way. Right. We want to contribute. But if you look at the Mediterranean countries, a lot of them, they have like what, four, eight, like two months just off. They take big holidays with their families. I think it's in Germany. Don't quote me on this, but if somebody is starting to experience burnout, the doctor will refer them to like a retreat center for them to recoup from burnout. And I mean, that's not even thinkable. And like this country, it's like, oh, you're burnt out. Okay. Well, do you want like a medication? (laughs) Yeah. Like I can't even imagine how that would feel. You know, know. you know, insurance companies, probably some, well, I mean, it would save our country healthcare costs if we can just be better at fixing root causes versus putting people on, you know, expensive long-term meds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree. I hope we're (laughs) going to get there eventually to where we we're, we're more embracing of that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, but I do. I love all these stories. As you're talking, I'm curious how maybe a basic like brief for our listeners to kind of have a good understanding of what to expect. How do you test for micronutrients? Is it a blood test? Is Are there other things that they would anticipate that, that they'll be doing if they um, meet with a professional like you and what you all do at your clinic? Yeah, the micronutrient testing, it's white blood cells. So it is just a blood draw. They would go to a local um, lab where they get that completed. With our new clients, we don't always dive right into labs. We have a full intake form. It takes them about an hour to fill out. And a lot of times we can connect a lot of dots using that um, and help them feel better and or, you know, get rid of gut issues without even needing to go to labs. Because, I mean, part of it is the reality uh, Um, As a lot of our clients come in having seen other doctors and healthcare professionals, so they tend to have, you know, good foundational labs already for us to be able to use. And the specialty labs that we can run and some of these specialty nutrition labs, they can run, you know, 100 to for $500 a panel. We don't charge extra for lab work at our clinic, but that's what the labs charge. And so we try to be mindful of right costs. We don't want people to get into financial stress and then like that's causing gut issues too. Um, So our whole goal is, you know, how can we help get this person results, get rid of their most bothersome symptoms, be it gut issues, be it, you know, struggling with anxiety, whatnot, in like the the most uh, effective way, like cost effective, life effective, you know? Hmm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think that's helpful to know just that there are lots of different routes to take just kind of based on where you've already been so far. And so it is very individualized. Yeah, yeah what we can do like um, stool testing to gain more information. That's what I see all these lab panels for. It's all just gaining more information you know, but we can also just go based upon symptoms. And there's easy little tests that people can do at home. Like they can do a gut transit test to see how long Mm -hmm. it's taking food to go through their gut. And that can give us information about, you know, how fast or slow their motility is. And is it in a range that would be a healthy range? Or is this something we should look at more? You know, what's the form of their stool? Is it floating? That might be a sign of fat malabsorption. Um, you know, what color, if it's like more of a yellow color, maybe they're having some gallbladder liver issues and, you know, pulling in physicians when it's appropriate. And so uh, there's a lot to kind of, um, a lot of tools and, and kind of symptom tracking that we can use just to get a better picture that way. And 
God, there is one other thing I wanted to share about that. It'll probably come back to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that is totally, I'm, I'm really grateful for that because it's, you know, there might be things that we could be doing at home to just kind of be mindful of how our gut is doing, even if we haven't like taken the step to go meet with someone like you quite yet. We can kind of be observant of how am I feeling? You know, how is my body feeling? What's going on with my stool? Like how, like, how are my elimination patterns? You know, those kinds of things that might give us at least a clue to get started. It sounds like. Yeah. And there's uh, two things that we created at our clinic in the past year that um, gives people more options for uh, getting some support too. One of them is we created a whole heal your gut course, which is really comprehensive. So if this is, you know, this uh, uh, conversation is like blowing anybody's minds. I think going through our course would be such a great starting spot, especially if they're not ready to really do more intensive one-on-one work. And the other thing we did is we got contracted with insurances. So now a lot of people are getting full coverage for our clinic services. And that's like so exciting to me. Um, it took about six months to get like these credentials and it's definitely a learning curve, but it's, it's fun. I, I love math. And so some of the like number stuff, is like so cool to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so exciting because I know that that's a huge barrier for a lot of folks. And to just know that you could be able to use your insurance in this country to yeah. get these services is actually, um, uh, not surprising certainly. Cause I'm, I think it makes sense, but from an insurance standpoint, a little bit, maybe, you know, it's, it's oh, not yeah. what we would maybe usually expect. So that's so good to know. Yeah. Totally. In 2015, it shifted to get, um, a lot of plans, uh, got better dietitian coverage. So I'm really mm-hmm. grateful for that. And then with COVID, uh, we were able to get coverage for telemedicine. So I started the clinic as telemedicine because I just feel, you know, that's, easier for people. They can learn in the comfort of their home. They don't have distractions. They don't have to commute. People are, you know, if they're having severe gut issues, I don't think somebody without severe gut issues realizes how much a burden that can be to have to like run all over the place. If, you know, you get diarrhea every half hour and you have to like map out all the bathroom spots and things. So it's like, you know, the work we can do, we can just do it in the comfort of people's homes via video like this. And so I was kind of a blessing in disguise with COVID where these insurance companies now started covering telemedicine. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have also had not the same experience, but a similar experience with therapy as a lot of um, plans were not covering telehealth services or was very limited. And with COVID, you know, they expanded a lot and that's been a really beautiful experience for some people to make all kinds of services, yours, what we do in my work more accessible. So I think that's yes. really cool. Totally. Mm-hmm. If somebody's struggling with moderate, severe, maybe even mild, like mental health struggles, depressions, like it's, it can be hard to like get yourself motivated to leave the house and go on that sort of an adventure to the therapist's office. I bet you're seeing less right. new shows now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, you know, even with timing, like making the time to go to an appointment outside of work and um, getting back in time. And yeah, there are a lot of a lot of benefits to it. So I'm appreciative of that. Are there ways that are there things that people can look for? So for example, like, if they want to work with you, maybe can you work with people outside of your local area? Or if not, are there things that people should work or look for if they want to um, get involved with that kind of a professional service, like the things that you do? Yeah, licensure wise, it really depends on the state. So for all of our new clients, we just, uh, or anyone potentially thinking about being a client, uh, we just have them book a free 30 minute call. And then before the call, they get this uh, survey or questionnaire form that they fill out so we can learn more information, like what insurance they have, where they live, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then we'll be able to email them to, or like hop on that call with them, depending on what it is to better understand like what insurance coverage they might have. Can we work with them depending on where they're living and et cetera, et cetera. So it's pretty 
for insurance, you know, technically it doesn't matter, but for like dietitian licensure, it does matter. Uh, so that's, you know, somebody wants to work with our clinic, that's what I would encourage. And if it doesn't work out with our clinic, I can help try to connect them to somebody that would work with them. Okay. Really cool. Thank you. Um, and then tell us a little bit, you mentioned your course. Can you tell us just like a little bit more about what that heal your gut course is? And I'll make sure to put the link to that. We have all kinds of awesome links that Ashley has shared, including the link to her course, um, in the show notes so that people can access it. But can you tell us a little bit more about what that might include? Totally. It's really comprehensive. I just actually finished the whole masterclass that gives you a little teaser of the course. And then it goes through every section of the course at the end. So you'll share the link to the masterclass. So I would recommend that if this sparks anybody's interest, just to like, they'll get really detailed information about what's in there, but it's separated into lifestyle, into nutrition, kind of like nutrition 2.0. Then we have a whole bonus section. So if they listen to the masterclass, they'll get a good deal on all of that. But the lifestyle, it's things like how does sleep affect gut health and, you know, vice versa? How does gut health impact sleep? So it's, um, I'm a very organized person and I like minimalism. And so it's like, it's a very organized course that gives people kind of just what they need to know to help them feel better. So it's the information and then it's the action items. So that activity and then stress as well. And then the nutrition goes into much deeper, like how can food impact? How does food sensitivities impact gut health or allergies or what should they consider? What maybe should they consider? And it's a step-by-step approach to where some people might go through one half of the course and get significant relief from their gut issues. Other people might have to do the whole course to get significant relief, but per the research, um, the information we have in the course and some of the specialty food adjustments that we have included, about 85% of people, um, I think it's 86 exactly, but should experience a significant improvement in their irritable bowel syndrome type symptoms like gastric diarrhea constipation. So it's really cool. And then the bonus section is very kind of, detailed um for different uh chronic disease states so a lot more specific about constipation like if the core course didn't help you with constipation which it should but this is like very very specific things other factors that could be causing right like maybe methane dominant SIBO um and how to like consider looking into that sort of a thing like one for acid reflux and then one for depression too, which I know you'll link. I'm actually, we're selling that one at a little price on its own. So some of what we talked about, I go into much more detail in that one hour presentation and spent a lot of time just consolidating everything we know about gut health and nutrition, depression. So I think there's a lot of value in it. Oh, so cool. I'm definitely going to do it. And I'm so excited. And we will put the link in the notes so that people can have access to that. And it just sounds so valuable and so exciting. So thank you for sharing that with us. And yeah, I'm pumped. Um, thank you for asking me about it and sharing it on your podcast. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we always sort of and or start to wrap up our conversations with our guests by asking the same ish question, which is, is there a practice? So like, um, a technique or a tool or a tip or a trick that we can experience right now that can kind of give us the taste, a taste of the work that you do and that mental health or other integrative professionals listening, um, might be able to use for themselves or to help in their own work. Yeah, the one that I thought of that I felt would be good for most people watching could get some value is something called urge surfing. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have, but all not all of our listeners have, I'm sure. Yeah, so yeah. teach us I, today. You might have because it actually started for drug and alcohol addiction and then now mm-hmm. we're using it for food. So part of our course is the whole mindful eating section. You know, how do you improve your relationship with food so you're not stressed out by like what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, like just listening and giving them tools for how to like tune into your body, like the hunger scale, urge surfing is part of it, you know, talking about the difference between appetite and hunger and so much more. And so this urge surfing is a component of that big umbrella. And what it is, is it can help train our body 
to prefer these really more nutritious foods because at the foundation level, you know, eating this Mediterranean kind of real whole food eating plan, like what your grandparents ate, what we would find at the marketplace, um, like a farmer's market. Uh, sometimes people have a challenge because especially in this country, you know, we have a lot of this kind of quick energy food like donuts or, you know, higher sugar, fat, palatable foods that these food manufacturers, they're very smart. They have teams of people trying to make food as like addicting as possible. And so mm-hmm. there's this pull, this tug and pull thing. So this herb surfing is a tool that can help people try to break out of that tug and pull. And what it is, is you rate your food craving. And I want to preface saying food cravings aren't always bad. Sometimes they're giving our body information. Like if you're craving sugar, maybe your blood sugars are imbalanced and we you get your blood sugars balanced, you're not craving sugar anymore. So always try to dig a bit deeper. But this herb surfing, rate your food craving on a scale of one to seven. And then if it's between a one and three, you can try distraction for that food craving. Between a four to five, you can try this urge surfing, which I'll talk more about in a bit. And then between a six and seven, that's a very strong food craving. You're probably better to eat that food, try to eat until 80% full, because if you don't listen to that, you might later on in the day or the next day just overeat that food. So then that's kind of practicing that hunger skill piece, which we won't get into too much today, but that's in the course too. Um, The Mm -hmm. urge surfing. So it's listening to this food craving coming up and just knowing it's going to get worse, like a wave, it's going to get bigger, it's going to get worse, but it's going to get better then. So you just have to kind of like hang in there and surf over that craving. And the more we can surf over it, the lower that craving is going to go. So it can be effective for certain situations. Um, Going back to how food cravings, it's uh, sometimes they can be telling us something that's important. Like if women are craving chocolate on their period, maybe that's because they're low on magnesium. Honestly, cocoa is like a good source of magnesium. So it's not always that we need to keep ignoring that. Sometimes we have to dig into it, maybe feed and supplement, and then that craving might go away in that way because it's trying to tell our body something. But yeah, so again, this urge surfing, that food cravings about a moderate, know that it's going to get worse, but it's going to get better and just kind of hang in there. And then once you get over that hump each time, it's going to get better. And you're going to notice that food craving is going to start to dissipate. Yeah. I love that practice. And I love how you're combining it with the food craving because it's not always something that we think about using or surfing for, we can use it for lots of things, but food cravings, everybody has them. (laughs) So I think that's a really fabulous tool to integrate. And I'm kind of trying to think as you're talking like, Ooh, what am I craving? And like, how high, how high is that right now? And so you were saying one to three, it's kind of low, right? And then four to five or six yeah exactly is like when we would want to try to practice that urge surfing skill. Yeah. And you can do it when it's lower, but the very mild food craving sometimes just like you know, getting a little distracted can help with those. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. Um, This has been amazing. I'm so thankful that you came on today and just shared your wisdom with us. And um, I could talk to you for a whole lot longer, um, but we'll be mindful of your time today. And (laughs) maybe we'll just have to have you back on at some point. I will love Um, that. Yeah. yeah. Great. So Um, hopefully your listeners can let us know what what was the most uh, interesting to them. I'd be curious. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you are listening and you want to give us a shout, you can email us at info at academyimh.com and let us know any feedback is much appreciated. Um, Ashley, where we will certainly put this in the show notes, but where can people find you to connect directly with you the easiest these days? So if they want more content, I would say follow, subscribe to our YouTube channel. I put out a new video every week. They can just hit subscribe, hit the bell next to it to be notified of our new videos every week. And then if they're interested in working with our clinic, they can schedule that free 30-minute call and we can see if it would be a good fit or like take that masterclass if you want to learn more about the course and that really goes into detail and you can decide if you want to purchase that or not. Great. Awesome. And we will 
work to get anyone who is interested hooked up with you all to learn as much as they can um, from you because I know that you have a lot lot to give and a lot to offer. Um, So thank you again so much. And for the future, please know that you have an invitation to come on back and collaborate with us at any time. Let's do it. That's awesome. One of my favorite. Oh, thank you. Cool. All right. Thanks, Ashley. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Talk soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us in our conversation. Please make sure to check out the show notes for all of the resources we talked about together today, as well as additional resources from Ashley. And for our listeners, Ashley is offering a 40% discount on her Heal Your Gut course. Just enter the code podcast special at checkout to access this incredible course discount. And don't forget, we are always open to new ideas from you. Is there a specific integrative topic you're into or a guest you think we should invite into the conversation? What are you wanting to talk about these days? reach out to us at academyimh.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Take good care of yourself and we'll talk again soon.